0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Russian gas still flowing to Europe after President Putin's deadline as peace talks resume with a not so peaceful backdrop. Leaders of the EU and China meet at a virtual summit. The ongoing war in Ukraine dominated the agenda. EU officials again warned Beijing not to assist Russia. Russia lobbies India in an effort to keep Asian partners on their side amid Western sanctions. This comes as Indian residents voice support for Russia as the West condemns it. And President Biden announces the largest ever release from the U.S. Emergency Oil Reserve. He's also urging oil companies to drill more in an attempt to bring down prices at the pump. Peace talks started up again today between Russia and Ukraine. This as Ukraine braces for more attacks and Moscow accuses Kiev of attacking a Russian fuel depot. Entity's Jessica Beatty has more.
1: The Kremlin said Friday that a Ukrainian strike on a fuel depot in Russia has created an awkward backdrop for peace talks.
2: Of course, this is not something that can be perceived as creating comfortable conditions to continue peace talks.
1: Russia accused Ukraine Friday of attacking the fuel depot, but Ukrainian authorities didn't immediately respond for comment. Peace talks resumed again Friday by video link, even as Ukraine braces for more attacks in the south and east. But Ukraine's ambassador to Japan says Ukraine's expecting modern military equipment to arrive soon from the U.S. and Britain to better protect its skies and cities from Russian attacks.
3: When they fire cruise missiles from long distance, we cannot get to the launch uh, place. We have to intercept them. That's why we need uh, this modern equipment.
1: And Australia says it's sending armored vehicles to you, Ukraine. Meanwhile, Russian gas is still flowing to Europe Friday, despite a deadline set by President Vladimir Putin to cut it off unless customers start paying in rubles. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said the decree wouldn't affect shipments which are already paid for. He said it'll only become an issue when new payments are due in the second half of the month. It's viewed as Moscow's strongest card to play to retaliate for Western financial sanctions. That's because the European Union receives about 40 percent of its gas from Russia. European governments like Germany, Italy, France and the UK have said no to Putin's demand. They won't pay in rubles, and they're going to stick to their existing contract. It's not clear if anything will actually change in practice for Russia's gas customers. Russia state news agency, TASS, said the bank that already handles transactions for Russian energy company Gazprom will take payment in euros or other currency and then trade the currency for rubles to complete the transaction. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: EU and Chinese leaders today held their first summit in two years. Brussels urged Beijing not to help Russia in the war in Ukraine. Here are the details.
4: EU top officials met on Friday via video conference with Chinese leaders. This was the first summit between the two parties in two years. The meeting was attended by the president of European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, and European Council President, Charles Michel, along with EU foreign policy chief, Joseph Borrell. Brussels has been pressing Beijing for assurances that it will not supply Russia with weapons or help it circumvent Western sanctions. Ahead of the meeting, EU officials said any help to Russia would damage China's international reputation and jeopardize its relations with its biggest trading partners, the United States and Europe. According to Chinese state media, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang told his European counterpart that China is pushing for peace talks on Ukraine in, quote, its own way. In a separate call later in the day, Chinese leader Xi Jinping also said he hopes EU will form a different view of China. EU officials at the summit also mentioned Beijing's economic boycott of EU member Lithuania and the threat of human rights abuses under China's authoritarian communist regime. Despite Beijing's position over Russia's invasion, sanctions against Moscow are generating a ripple effect in China. The country's exports to Russia were hit by a devalued ruble. Some Chinese multinationals say they have to put much of their Russian business on hold thanks to losses in the exchange rate.
0: Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, held a meeting with his Indian counterpart today. The meeting in New Delhi was part of an effort from Moscow to keep other Asian countries on its side as the West deals crushing sanctions. Here are some of Lavrov's opening remarks to the Indian foreign minister.
2: Indeed, as you, as you mentioned, uh, this day uh, our Western colleagues would like to uh, reduce any meaningful international issue to the crisis in Ukraine. Uh, you know our position. Uh, we do not hide anything and we appreciate that India is taking this situation in the entirety of facts, not just in a, in a one-sided way.
0: Russia has long regarded India as a friend, and their meeting comes one day after U.S. and British officials held talks in the same city. That was to persuade Indian leadership to avoid helping Russia go around sanctions they imposed when the country invaded its neighbor. The U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor for International Economics said the U.S. wouldn't draw a red line for India when importing energy from Russia, but he said Washington doesn't want to see a rapid acceleration in India's Russian energy purchases. Here's how the Indian foreign minister responded to Lavrov's lobbying.
5: Our meeting today takes place in a difficult international environment, quite apart from the pandemic. India, as you are aware, has always been in favor of resolving differences and disputes through dialogue and diplomacy.
0: The British foreign minister said they respect India's move to acquire oil from Russia at a discount, but she also advocated strict sanctions on Russia in terms of its gold and energy sectors and on its ports. Meanwhile, residents in New Delhi expressed support for Russia during its invasion. We hear the perspective of a linguist and a student. We have a lot to gain from this, you know, because uh, uh, see, like when you uh, see that we are now
1: directly buying the oil from Russia, we couldn't do that earlier, like you know, and we can now do that, and uh, we have a long-standing trade relation, like you know, we buy
6: our. Uh, military aircrafts and all from russia we have this bromos missile joint
0: venture with russia so i think it's pretty good thing that like you know that we are
6: pretty vocal about our support for russia now
3: international politics is a game of survival and if we see the situation from a realist view india's stand is right and i feel that instead of being defensive india should openly support russia
0: historically russia has been india's biggest supplier of defense equipment though India has increased its purchases from the U.S. in recent years. So far, India has bought about 13 million barrels of crude oil from Russia since Moscow invaded Ukraine. The oil is being sold at a discount due to Western sanctions. And what's more, Russia says it will use non-Western currencies more. That's in trade with countries like India, though U.S. and British officials warned India against undermining the financial system based on the U.S. dollar. Putin's approval rating is soaring in Russia after he launched his invasion of Ukraine. His support has risen from about 70 percent last month to over 80 percent now. That's according to statistics from the Levada Center, an independent Russian pollster. The agency has been tracking Putin's ratings since he took office in 1999. For the past several years, Putin's approval rating has hovered around 60 percent. The figure saw its last jump in 2014 after Russia seized Crimea from Ukraine. But experts have cautioned against taking current Russian polls at face value. That's because the Kremlin has been cracking down on dissidents, especially voices protesting its invasion of Ukraine. The war left a Ukrainian family stranded in Hawaii for over one month. They came to the island for a vacation. Now their days are filled with fear and anxiety. The Pruszczak
4: family arrived in Hawaii in mid-February, expecting an idyllic beach vacation. But their holiday dream was shattered when shelling rained down on their homeland. For more than one month, they've been stranded without access to their house, money, family, or friends. We don't know about our house, maybe a house destroyed. Yes, and uh, we... All our business <laughs> last two years, and uh, we don't know how we return to Ukraine what we will do. Their Ukrainian home is near a military base in Kyiv. No one knows if they will ever be able to return. Their family business was also forced to close, and fear of the fate of loved ones grips the whole family.
3: I feel that I'm there with my friends, with my relatives, and uh, uh, this happening with me too.
4: The family found support from a local canoe padding community. The group found them a place to stay and raise funds online to get them settled.
3: Every day I hope that next day everything will be finished but uh, it, it doesn't supposed, supposed to be like that and uh, it, it's awful. I'm, I'm confused and I, uh, I can't do anything else uh, except for thinking about the situation.
4: Tens of thousands of Ukrainians were overseas at the time of the Russian invasion. It is unclear how many of them are in the United States, but according to the Department of Homeland Security, around 75,000 Ukrainians qualify for temporary protected status. That would allow the Prishtchak family to stay in the U.S. for up to 18 months.
0: As the United States prepares to accept 100,000 refugees amid Russia's war in Ukraine, Communities in cities like Sacramento, California, are already mobilizing. They're getting ready to provide food, shelter, and support to those forced to flee their homes and country. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more.
5: It's not yet clear when the formal resettlement process will begin or where people will go. But Ukrainian networks in the U.S. are already pitching in, providing support to people entering the country through informal channels. That's including getting temporary visas, or by flying to Mexico and crossing over the
7: border. I have two my brothers, but they're families. And I have my mom. She was born in 1943, and they're staying there through so every morning and every night. I have to start, i am starting my day by calling them, checking if they're alive.
5: The Sacramento region is home to the highest concentration of Ukrainians in the country, with about 18,000 of them living there.
8: After the fall of the Soviet Union, a lot of Ukrainians and individuals from former Soviet Union countries came to Sacramento. So there's an incredibly strong community base here, you know, something like 20,000 Ukrainians in the greater Sacramento area, and a really strong network of churches and um, businesses and connections.
5: Word is spreading about the resources available in Sacramento, where churches like House of Bread are connecting new arrivals with host families.
2: The reason people come to places like Sacramento is because there's a high population of people that know them, and, and because it's relational, there's this feeling of, hey, we gotta help, we gotta do something.
5: They can offer shelter and help people access government resources and transportation.
2: We set up a system of host families Um, who can take in refugees that are coming here. Most of them are coming illegally, crossing the border um, into California, and then just spreading out.
5: Ukrainians began arriving in Sacramento in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Many were Christian, escaping religious persecution from the former Soviet Union. Another wave of refugees have been arriving since Russia's initial invasion of Ukraine in 2014. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: The war in Ukraine has caused many to perish, upended the lives of millions of people, and dealt a major blow to the global economy. But the war has caused yet another dilemma. That is the psychological harm to people living in Ukraine and elsewhere. Psychotherapist Dr. Donna Marks joins us now. She starts by telling us more about how the war is creating or triggering PTSD.
8: It's horrible. PTSD, first of all, I think should be defined and it's when something that happened before you get triggered in the present time and you react as if it was happening before. So the people in Ukraine are suffering tremendous of PTSD in the here and now. And then sometimes people in the U.S. who uh, like war vets or people who've had previous trauma, they are also reacting to it very intensely from the past. It's triggering those memories.
0: And for example, some reports show that veterans with PTSD, even in Nevada, are affected by the war in Ukraine. How can we help those who are suffering from this?
8: Well, first of all, it's important to understand that it's not your imagination and you're not just off the wall. Uh, You're not necessarily even mentally ill. This is a very normal reaction to a very abnormal situation. You know we're not born to be at war and killing one another. So or hurting one another to the extent that it puts a permanent imprint on somebody's psyche. So first of all, to understand that if you're going through the symptoms, which are you know obsessive thinking, you can't sleep at night, you can't quit watching the TV, you feel jittery and shaky, this is bringing you back to the past by being aware of what's happening in Ukraine. It's perfectly normal given the circumstances. That's number one. Number two, allow yourself to feel your feelings. Get them out. Talk Talk about it, sit with it, journal it, paint it, draw it, whatever you have to do to get it out, it's really important, and also to get some help. There's online support groups for PTSD. Some of them are free, some of them you pay for, and there are uh, many psychotherapists who specialize in treating trauma, so make sure you go to someone who does specialize in that.
0: Well, thank you for the suggestions, definitely that can help. Let's look overseas, Dr. Donna. Ukrainians are suffering lasting psychological wounds from this invasion, according to Scientific American. How yes. can that impact a society?
8: It has a terrible impact on society. And what happens if it doesn't get addressed and if it's not healed, it gets reenacted. And we may become uh, violent ourselves and not meaning to hurt someone, but it's just an automatic reaction or we continue to live in that wound. So. It's very important to you know, as, as a world, to come together and say, "Stop this!" You know, we don't want to fight, but sometimes we have to to defend ourselves and our country. In this case, you know, they're they're defending their homeland, they're defending their children, their 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 parents, their families. So uh, to to come together as a world and say, you know, peace instead of this, both of them, both countries, peace instead of this and to and those people that are suffering to acknowledge of course you're suffering
0: coming up a brewery in new jersey is feeling the effects of inflation and the ukraine invasion prices are rising across the board for the company it looks possible amazon employees will vote to unionize at a new york warehouse but it's less likely at an alabama location more soon here on ntd news The federal government reports the U.S. economy added 431,000 jobs in March. That brings the unemployment rate to a new pandemic-era low of 3.6%. The job gains were lower than economists had expected, but they still rounded up a strong first quarter for the U.S. labor market with an average monthly gain of more than half a million jobs. The U.S. economy is now just 1.6 million jobs short of where it was in February 2020, before the pandemic hit the government says that several labor market measures are already close to their pre-covid levels including the total number of unemployed people president biden launched the largest release ever from the u.s emergency oil reserve yesterday and challenged oil companies to drill more those moves are part of an attempt to bring down soaring gasoline prices amid russia's war with ukraine Entities Andrew Thomas has more.
5: The announcement comes as part of a broad effort by Biden to tackle raging inflation that threatens Biden's fellow Democrats as November elections approach. Starting in May, the United States will release one million barrels per day of crude oil for six months from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve.
0: Keep in mind that world oil consumption is something like 97 million barrels per day, almost 100 million barrels per day we're talking about releasing one million barrels for a a period of uh, six months or so, so uh, symbolically good idea.
5: Biden's 180 million barrel release is equivalent to about two days of global demand and marks the third time Washington has tapped the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in the past six months. It will more than cover oil exports to the United States from Russia, which Biden banned this month. Our belief is that it will be beneficial to consumers because uh, now we will see a reduction in gasoline prices. It should be beneficial to GDP growth. Russia typically produces about 10% of the world's crude, but only accounts for 8% of U.S. liquid fuel imports. But the release will fall short of a loss of about 3 million barrels per day of
0: Russian oil. European countries have a short-term problem They they import something like 155 billion cubic feet of gas from Russia every year. And that can't be made up by liquid national uh, gas or other uh, supplies from the U.S. or elsewhere.
5: Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin is demanding foreign buyers pay for Russian gas in rubles, or else have their supplies cut, a move European capitals rejected. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Ahead of fall elections, Republicans took voter registration to a gas station in California. The campaign comes amid public outcry over skyrocketing gas prices.
4: Next to a busy intersection in Garden Grove, California, a group of young Republicans rolled down a voter registration drive.
7: We are out here because Californians are tired of high gas prices, and we figured the gas station is the best place to kind of post up and speak with voters and people that are just commuting all the time, driving all the time.
4: Activists held a big sign reading, gas too high, register Republican. A few motorists pulled over for a chat with the campaigners about gas prices.
3: I blame the Biden administration and the Democrats for the high gas prices. I think we need to be more self-sufficient efficient, get oil
5: produced and gas prices from the United States rather than import.
4: This is one of many events the GOP has held outside gas stations across the country. The party is rallying support from independents frustrated with soaring oil prices and voters who supported President Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Raphael Sonenshine is executive director of the Pat Brown Institute at California State University, Los Angeles. He said the campaign was a smart idea, but doubted how much it would drive turnout or lead voters to switch parties.
2: I'm a little bit more skeptical though, that as a way to get people not interested in politics, to register to vote and to become Republicans, I think in the current climate of what drives people to join either the Republican or Democratic parties, I'm really not sure that it's, uh, it, that it's going to be a fundamental shift. But I think it's a clever idea for something that's that's kind of an irritant today.
4: He added fuel costs could come back down before the election. And if that happens, it may weaken Republican arguments.
0: Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced that the city plans to spend over $12 million in transportation relief. The program is called Chicago Moves. Lightfoot said the plan is to help low-income residents cope with rising gas prices. Of that amount, over $7 million will go to 50,000 prepaid gas cards, each valued at $150. And $5 million will cover 100,000 public transit cards worth $50. These cards will be distributed via a lottery system. To qualify for them, residents must be at least 18 years old. Their household income must be at or below 140% of Chicago's median income. Applications for the cards open at the end of April, and they will be valid for one year. Struggling with the rising costs of grain, aluminum, and fuel due to inflation, a New Jersey brewery says it will have to raise prices in its taproom soon.
7: A glass of freshly brewed beer at one New Jersey taproom may soon be a dollar or two pricier, thanks to soaring commodities costs spurred by the invasion of Ukraine. From thousands of miles away, the four-city brewery company has felt the ripple effects of the crisis, from the cost of their aluminum cans down to the very grains that fuel their brew. Co-owner Anthony Minervino says it all adds up very quickly.
6: brain grain has gone up, I mean, 18, 20, 25 cents a pound. So when you're talking about hundreds, maybe a 1,000 pounds per batch, it, it's a lot of money.
7: It's a labor-intensive operation for the craft beer maker, which cans their own creations by weighing them by hand and packing them into boxes. The company has so far managed to avoid raising their prices, but compounded by the effects of inflation, Minervino says they may soon have to turn to the tap room to recoup some of their losses.
6: Inflation, I think, is impacting and rippling all the different aspects of our business with the shipping and the grain and the product. And the you know even the, the gas, PSCNG, and all these companies have gone up because you know their trucks are on the road that uses more fuel, the fuel is more expensive, so everything everything has gone up. That's the big hit, and you know we have to really try to make that up somewhere else.
7: Ukraine is one of the world's leading exporters of grain and vegetable oils. However, it's introduced export licenses for wheat and suspended exports of dozens of other commodities since February, the start of the Russian invasion.
0: Amazon workers at a warehouse in New York City's Staten Island, have so far voted 57% in favor of unionizing with a final tally due today. It's a potential victory for organized labor at the second largest U.S. private employer.
7: A vote for Amazon workers to unionize in New York, Staten Island, showed a strong lead in favor of the move on Thursday. But the union narrowly lost a parallel contest in Alabama that has yet to be finalized. A win in either state would be a landmark victory for labor advocates and a historic first for the retail giant, the second largest private employer in the country. Nearly 60% of the 2,700 votes counted at Amazon's Staten Island warehouse so far have been in favor of a union, according to a Reuters tally. The former Amazon employee organizing the effort, Chris Smalls, says he hopes a union will bring about better working conditions for Amazon employees.
3: Uh, Job security, higher wages, longer breaks, uh, better benefits, you know, all the things that unions can provide.
7: Amazon has warned against unionizing in fierce campaigns with notices in bathroom stalls and mandatory meetings telling workers that labor groups could force them to strike.
9: Stand up, fight
7: back. In Bessemer, Alabama, organizers believe Amazon's actions may have affected their vote to unionize, with 53 percent of workers voting no. But 416 challenged ballots remain, with the potential to change the result entirely. The U.S. National Labor Relations Board said it would hold a hearing in the next few weeks to determine whether any of those ballots should be opened and counted. Meanwhile, the president of the union organizing the Alabama effort, Stuart Applebaum, says the group plans to file objections to Amazon's conduct around the election. Their
10: behavior has been shameful, and at times we contend illegal and we will continue to do everything we can to hold Amazon accountable.
7: The National Labor Relations Board determined that Amazon improperly interfered in Bessemer's original contest and called for a rerun this year based off the union's previous objections. Amazon did not immediately comment on the union's plans to object or on Thursday's vote counts.
0: The House Committee will investigate how Amazon treats its workers. It comes after the death of six workers at the Edwardsville, Illinois Distribution Center when it was struck by a tornado in December. The House Oversight Committee sent a letter to Amazon CEO Andy Jassy demanding documents about company practices. It cites reports from December 2021 that supervisors at the Edwardsville facility threatened employees and contractors with firing if they left work during the storm. An Amazon spokeswoman said the company would respond to the letter from the House Committee in due course. A New York judge has ordered new congressional and legislative maps to be drawn for the state after striking down maps drawn by the Democrat-controlled legislature. The maps were drawn and approved in February by Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul. Candidates have already begun campaigning in the new districts outlined by the maps. They were drawn in such a way that Democrats comprise the majority of registered voters in 22 of New York's 26 congressional districts. The updated maps were intended for the next decade and cut the number of Republican-leaning districts in half. The judge said the set of maps were unconstitutionally drawn with political bias and created no competitive seats. Hochul and the State Attorney General said in a joint statement they intend to appeal the ruling. Legislative leaders also said they would appeal. And Maryland passed a new congressional map after a judge tossed a previous version. The previous map was also seen as reducing the power of Republican voters, but even the new map has not satisfied Republican lawmakers. Arizona's governor signs a bill with requirements that ensure only U.S. citizens vote in elections held in Arizona. The measure requires voters to provide proof of citizenship and residency, Under the new law, county officials face felony charges if they don't verify proof of citizenship for voter registration. Governor Doug Ducey, in a letter to the state's Secretary of State, said the bill is a balanced approach that honors Arizona's history of making voting accessible without sacrificing security in Arizona. The Republican Party controls the governorship and both chambers of the state's legislature. Arizona's Secretary of State is a Democrat who is running for governor. She told Ducey to veto the bill after lawmakers passed the measure. She said on Twitter that the bill creates new, unnecessary barriers for people registering to vote. Other state Democrats say the measure is part of an effort to suppress voting in the battleground state. The bill's sponsor, State Representative Jake Hoffman, says the new law is, quote, a giant step toward ensuring elections are easy, convenient, and secure. The body of a Pennsylvania state trooper who died after a vehicle struck him last week was escorted to a public funeral service Thursday. Two others were killed in the accident as well. The procession, carrying Trooper Martin Mack III's remains, traveled to a church in Levittown, Pennsylvania. His family and colleagues were there gathered in his honor. Jayana Webb was charged with third-degree murder and vehicular homicide while driving under the influence in the early morning crash. She faces several other serious charges as well. Police identified the civilian killed as 28-year-old Reyes Oliveras of Allentown. He had been walking in the southbound lane of I-95 in South Philadelphia early Monday last week. Troopers Martin Mack and Brandon Siska were trying to take the man into custody and walk him back to their vehicle. That's when another vehicle, traveling at a high rate of speed, struck all three. All three were pronounced dead at the scene. A big haul of cocaine and marijuana seized from vessels in the eastern Pacific has been brought to San Diego aboard a U.S. Coast Guard cutter. The Coast Guard says the 11,000 pounds of cocaine and 4,000 pounds of marijuana offloaded Thursday is valued at over $220 million. The drug seizures were conducted by the U.S. cutters Kimball, Laguerre, and Spencer and the Canadian vessel HMCS Yellowknife. The Honolulu-based Kimball brought the contraband to San Diego. Captain Thomas Darcy is the Kimball's commander. He says 15 individuals were detained during the seizures. Just ahead, teachers are saying kids are losing motivation and creativity. We hear from an expert on what may be causing this and how to solve it. Stay tuned for more. During a discussion at the Heritage Foundation, one gentleman explained a popular picture that many have seen on the Internet. The picture supposedly shows the difference between equality and equity. today's Jason Perry has the story.
3: If you're in a classroom, for example... Ian Rowe
0: is a senior fellow at
10: the American Enterprise Institute. He's also the co-founder of Vertex Partnership Academy, which is a new network of high schools in the Bronx. In a discussion at the Heritage Foundation, he explained critical race theory by alluding to a popular picture many have seen on the Internet. In the picture, three people of different heights are watching a baseball game. The picture supposedly shows the difference between equality and equity. Marxist
3: ideology is from each according to their ability to each according to the need and so who is this person that is or who is this government who's deciding well you have the privilege and so therefore i'm going to take away resources from you
10: in the equality frame each person gets a box but not everyone can see the baseball game on one box and in the equity frame the boxes are rearranged so each person can see the game he explained what's behind this concept of
3: equity if you're in a classroom for example if you've got 20 different learners you have to differentiate instruction so that each child does get different kinds of support, but not for the purpose of achieving an equal outcome, but ensure that each child has access and an equal opportunity. And that's where the critical race theory, in my view, um, ideology just completely falls down. You can't achieve equal outcomes unless you are somehow got some overwhelming force a neo-Marxist force that's making making these decisions, and that's the antithesis of what we want to build in our country.
10: A phrase he used when he was running for school board was equality of opportunity, individual dignity, and our common humanity. He says it gives courage to others.
0: Jason Perry NTD News. Teachers are saying American children are losing motivation and creativity. Earlier I spoke with psychotherapist Jeanette Yoff who suggests the problem stems from kids having too much stress these days. She explains some of the causes of this stress and ways to reduce it.
9: During the pandemic, as we know, many children received a diagnosis of either anxiety, depression. And so during the pandemic, a lot of children went on medication. And medication, psychotropic medication, can actually numb a child's limbic system, and which supports brain functions, such as long-term memory, language, and speaking. And medication changes how the brain works. So it can flatten affect. It can take the edge off too much for teenagers. And one teen told me it, it feels surreal. It flattens so much of their feeling states that it really dulls their motivational drive.
0: And why do you think there are more uses of medication these days?
9: Well, because children have higher states of stress. And as we're experiencing right now, children are watching what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, They've endured the pandemic, natural disasters. And so for them to tolerate stress is very difficult for a child. Uh, they have windows of stress tolerance, and one child explained it. It feels like existential doom. I don't know what's going to happen in the world, and I'm so stressed. And when the brain is stressed, it's not receptive to learning, and it has difficulty taking in information. And what can happen for kids is they can have learned helplessness, and that's a state uh, that occurs where they experience stress on a repeated in a repeated way over and over and they feel like they can't control or change the situation, so they don't even try. And that's even when-
0: There's really not much that these kids can do about these global events. What can be done to help reduce some of their stress?
9: Yes, so we want to explain to kids that it's normal to have stress. Actually, there's three types of stress, positive stress, tolerable stress, and toxic stress. What we want to mitigate is toxic stress. So we want to psychoeducate children. I do this all the time as a psychotherapist. And we want to help them understand that lessening their use of technology is will help them with lowering their state of depression and anxiety. because. Being inundated with all this information can cause more stress and anxiety for them.
0: Yoff says too much time on phones and iPads can be distracting, and therefore, Yoff recommends parents take their kids outside into nature to help reorganize their nervous systems. Skippy is recalling over 100,000 pounds of peanut butter. It says the jars may contain small steel fragments Skippy's parent company, Hormel Foods, announced the recall Thursday. They say it involves more than 9,300 cases of select Skippy Reduced Fat Creamy Peanut Butter, Reduced Fat Chunky Peanut Butter, and Creamy Peanut Butter Blended with Plant Protein. The jars may contain a small piece of stainless steel from manufacturing equipment. The company has received no complaints about the products. They say they were notified by the facility. For more information, consumers can go to peanutbutter.com and check the best if used by dates on their products. If you do have peanut butter that is part of the recall, Hormel says you can return it to the store for an exchange. Still to come, France's presidential election is taking place this month, and record high inflation may hurt the chances of President Emmanuel Macron. 12-month inflation is at its highest point since at least 1997. Add in more after this short break. <music> Two South Korean Air Force planes collided in mid-air during a training exercise, killing four pilots. The crash happened about four miles south of an airplane base in the southeastern city of Sachan. President Moon Jae-in offered condolences to the victims' families. The Korean Air Force said there were no civilian casualties, but that they had formed a team to determine the cause of the accident and damage, including on the resident community. The crash site is located in a largely agricultural area, Photos show smoke rising from a mountain and one car shattered by fragments of the aircraft. The Air Force said in a statement that despite their attempts at an emergency escape, all of the two student pilots and two flight instructors aboard the two planes died. Korea's Yonhap News Agency reports that a total of 130 troops, 95 police officers, and 60 firefighters, as well as three helicopters, have begun a search at the crash site. Workers were seen removing bodies from a mine in southern Serbia. According to reports from state television, eight were killed and around 20 were injured. RTS state television said rescuers were trying to determine how many miners were trapped in the shaft. RTS first reported that the mine collapsed, but Serbia's mining and energy minister said the accident was due to a rise in methane gas. The head of a local hospital 125 miles from capital Belgrade was quoted as saying all non-essential surgery had been canceled. They said some patients had been discharged to make room for minor casualties. The Washington Post reports doctors saying the surviving miners do not have serious injuries. RTS said there were 49 miners on duty at the time of the accident, most of them from the local town. The coal mine is prone to methane saturation. In November 1989, some 90 miners died in an explosion there. Honda has figured out a way to deal with supply chain issues. They're selling older cars. The carmaker announced it will now sell vehicles that are up to 10 years old as part of its certified pre-owned program. The company used to cover pre-owned cars no older than five years, but Honda acknowledged it has dealt with severe inventory shortages. The new expansion includes Honda's luxury brand Acura vehicles. The decade-old cars will be covered under the new Honda True Used and Honda Precision Used categories. They will come with benefits like a limited warranty, complimentary oil change, and emergency roadside assistance. Inflation in France hit a record high this March. This is bad news for both residents and President Emmanuel Macron, who is seeking re-election this month. Here are the details.
4: France's National Statistics Bureau says consumer prices rose 1.6 percent in March for a 12-month inflation figure of 5.1 percent, up from 4.2 percent in February. That's the highest rate since the bureau began using E.U. methodology to calculate inflation in early 1997 and
2: exceeded economic forecasts. It's scary for us because we're retired. Our pensions remain the same. It's been ages since they were increased, and our buying power is collapsing. It's obvious, so we can't do what we want. That's that. We're already struggling to buy food. It's getting harder.
4: So far, the French government has managed to keep inflation lower than in most other countries of the eurozone. They've put in place costly caps on gas and power price increases. But consumers and businesses are still feeling the impact of inflation. Among them is fishmonger David Roy.
2: INFLATION HAS A VERY BIG IMPACT ON US, MAINLY BECAUSE OF THE PRICE OF FUEL. IT'S VERY COMPLICATED. THE FISHERMEN HAVE TO GO OUT TO sea, BUT THERE'S LESS FISH CLOSE TO THE COAST, SO THEY NEED TO GO FAR OUT TO GET IT. AND SO WITH THE PRICE OF FUEL, THE PRICE OF FISH GOES UP DRAMATICALLY.
4: LESS THAN TWO WEEKS FROM THE PRESIDENTIAL ELECTION, THE RECORD INFLATION IS BAD NEWS FOR MACRON, WHO IS SEEKING A SECOND TERM. During a recent meet-and-greet, Macron had an animated discussion with a man who said he was struggling with rising costs of living.
2: Hello, Mr. President, I have a question for you. I would like to know what you're doing about the cost of living, because, for me, as a father, I'm 46 years old. I'm no longer able to live on what I earn. Do you think that's normal? No, there's no magic formula. That is true. For the prices, for the gas, there's no magic formula. On the cost of living, we have put 20 billion
7: euros.
4: Frustrations on these costs are a concern for Macron. He has warned that the fallout from the war in Ukraine would drive inflationary pressures
0: higher. A 200-year-old manuscript will soon be up for grabs. A book of rhymes by Charlotte Bronte, sold by nobody and printed by herself, holds 10 poems even though it's smaller than a regular playing card. The manuscript was dated from 1829 and hasn't been seen in the public since 1916 when it was sold in New York. That's according to Henry Wessels of the Antiquarian Booksellers Association. Wessels calls the item from the Jane Eyre author a beautiful little thing that was made from scraps of paper and sewn with thread. Bronte wrote these poems when she was 13 years old. The manuscript will be sold at the New York International Antiquarian Book Fair on April 21st. It could go for one and a quarter million dollars. Still to come, the movie The Lost City holds its London premiere. The stars and the production team share fun behind the scenes episodes while filming in the Dominican Republic. Find out more in just a moment. Eager to go on holiday and put the memories of lockdowns behind them, more than a thousand South Koreans have snapped up tour packages for Hawaii, advertised by tele-shopping channel CJ OnStyle.
6: Armed with a suitcase in one hand and boarding passes in another, Kim ho jun and his wife are more than ready for their first real holiday in more than two years. As they take off for Honolulu, They're joining a rush of South Koreans out for so-called revenge travel, giving into cravings for travel after lockdowns.
3: I love traveling,
5: but I've been very stressed because I couldn't go on a trip and didn't know when I would be able to go abroad again. I've waited a long time for this.
6: It all began weeks ago when mandatory quarantine was scrapped for fully vaccinated travelers from most countries. Now there's a scramble to book trips abroad that had been delayed by restrictions. There was a brief moment last year where it was all lifted before limits came again in December. However, unlike last year, people now seem more eager to travel. Recent polls show people are less worried about catching the virus and increasingly see its prevention as out of their hands. A South Korean shopping channel, CJ OnStyle, said that in one hour on Sunday, it got some 2,800 orders for a Spain and Italy trip amounting to more than $12 million. That comes just days after a more than $7 million sale for packages to
10: Hawaii. In the case of last year's travel packages, which were made valid for two years, it was like we were selling expectations to customers, like dreams and hopes rather than actual travel package plans. But this time, with the exemption of quarantine for overseas
6: arrivals, it's become possible to travel. Kim and his wife booked their tickets to Hawaii last minute. It's where they enjoyed their honeymoon six years ago. They're eager, both to relive pre-2020 life and to put the memories of lockdowns behind. The one thing left to do is board their flight.
0: Expo 2020 Dubai held its grand finale as the world's biggest fair drew to a close on Thursday. That's after staging more than 30,000 events in 180 days across 96 locations. The mega-global event recorded more than one million visits over the last six months. The official closing ceremony was held at the iconic Al-Wazil Plaza, lasting an hour. The cast included more than 400 professionals and volunteers from 56 different countries with 745 costumes created for the culmination of the expo. During the ceremony, the United Arab Emirates Minister of Tolerance and Coexistence handed Expo officials the organization's flag to Japanese representatives of the next event, Expo 2025 Osaka. Now we take a look at the Lusail Stadium in Qatar. It will be the host venue for the Men's Football World Cup Final and has been purpose-built for the 2022 tournament. With a capacity of 80,000, it will host six group matches before being one of the chosen stadiums for each knockout round, culminating in the men's World Cup final itself. The stadium's bowl shape and intricate design is a nod to the decorative motifs found on bulls across the Arab world. The decisions for which team will face off in World Cup competition will take place in Doha later on Friday. 29 qualified teams will learn which groups they are in. Three more teams will qualify later this year, all with the hope of reaching the final and gracing the turf of the flagship venue of the 2022 World Cup. Today is National One-Cent Day. Did you know Benjamin Franklin was the one who designed the first one-cent coin? Let's look at some ways to partake in this currency celebration. You can research the history of the penny. Here's a little trivia to start you off. Abraham Lincoln's portrait has been on the U.S. penny since 1909. And if you want, you can even save some pennies. They may add up over time or visit the National Day Calendar Classroom for projects and coloring pages. You can even share your penny collection with others or post on social media with the hashtag National One-Cent Day. Hollywood stars Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum share their experiences filming the movie The Lost City. The movie just had its London premiere yesterday. Let's take a look.
2: You led me straight to The Lost City, now prepare to die. There are just hundreds of snakes in this temple just waiting for us to show up. What? Why aren't they biting that guy?
4: This is ridiculous. Delete. Delete. Delete.
2: The movie The Lost City is a romantic comedy adventure starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Bullock plays a successful novelist who goes on a press tour to promote her latest book with her cover model, played by Tatum.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model, Dash McMahon!
2: The movie was filmed in the jungles and the open ocean of the Dominican Republic. The production team shares some of the experiences behind the scenes.
3: One of our first days out on the ocean, we put Sandy and Channing in the water and then realized there were thousands of jellyfish around. Thousands. Like, you could see them everywhere. And we had this amazing marine guy, Bo, who was like, they won't sting them. Those are not the stinging kind. We're like, all right, man, we're, we're going to take, take, take your word take for your it. Take your word for this. If yeah. you're wrong, yeah. we'll never work again.
2: While making the movie, Bullock and Tatum bonded over their shared sense of humor and became like siblings. They say they are really similar and had a lot of fun while filming.
3: I would try to physically break Sandy. Like I would, I would, I don't any chance I possibly got to like try to like mess with her in a scene, I would totally do it just because it's really funny when she breaks. And then when she starts laughing, it's really, it's good. She'll keep laughing and we can just like waste our time.
0: You do know you're not Dash, right? Dash is a character I made up. Dash? I, I... Oh
3: Bullock
2: dressed in a sparkly sequin pink jumpsuit in high heels throughout the action scenes.
0: I love being
4: physical, especially with comedy. It's it's always funny. I'm a physical comedian. I don't do as well with just words and not having something to do with my body. I love it. I love it. As long as you can do it,
0: do it.
2: Actor Daniel Radcliffe plays the villain in this movie. He says he's very happy to be able to film a movie in a foreign country.
1: It was it was hot and humid, but it was like it's such a beautiful place and what how good it makes the movie that we were able to be there like when you see those massive shots of them in the jungle it's not a set or a stage you sense them that they're like in there
0: um, so yeah it's an incredible I was I always used to get jealous of people going to exotic locations when we
1: were filming Potter because we never really went anywhere um, so like this was one of like yeah we're making a movie I'm in the DR yeah oh,
5: The Red Sage, getting you out of here.
1: Why are you so handsome?
5: My dad was the weatherman.
3: Hey, whoa, she doesn't need saving in there. Okay. Uh, what are you doing in there?
2: The movie took the top spot at the North American box office at its release last weekend.
0: Thank you for joining us. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.